Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Friday. It's the Memorial of St. Catherine of Siena. I'm Josh Raymond and so glad to have you here with us as we look at this hour of spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Try and understand how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, how God might be leading in our lives. And let me ask, what were you doing in 1986? 1986 obviously depends on how old you were, but... Can you remember what was happening that year? There's some great mood music right there. Ronald Reagan, president, of course, he's midway through his second term. Oprah Winfrey, her show debuted nationally in 1986. January of that year, a couple of things happened. Uh, The Challenger space shuttle, you remember that? That tragedy, it exploded shortly after takeoff. January of 1986, we also saw the Chicago Bears. They won Super Bowl Twenty. In April, there was that horrible nuclear disaster at Chernobyl over in Russia. This was also the year that the Hands Across America charity event took place. In 1986, we saw movies like Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Some of the top songs, you've heard a couple of them. Uh, Something About You by Level 42, that was the first one. Right now, you're listening to uh, Steve Winwood there in the background with Higher Love, My Brother. He played that album again and again and again. (laughs) Whitney Houston had the greatest love of all, Madonna, Papa Don't Preach, all these different things that were happening in 1986. Now, on a Saturday in the summer of that year, July 12th specifically, in Central Park in New York, police officer Stephen McDonald, he was walking through the park when he saw a suspicious-looking group of teenage boys. And there had been a number of petty crimes that had happened in the area, so Stephen, uh, he approached the boys. And as he approached them, they started to run. They took off. And Stephen and his partner, his police officer partner there, they chased after them. And Stephen was the one who caught up with them first, and he tried to start and talk with them. And as he was talking, he saw that in the ankle of the pants of the youngest boy there, there was a bulge, possibly a gun that was tucked into one of his socks, So Stephen bent over just a little bit to take a closer look, and as he bent down, one of the other boys, a 15-year-old named Shavad, he came up to Stephen, pointed a gun at his head, and Shavad fired three times. And one of those bullets struck Stephen's throat and hit his spine. Stephen, he was rushed to the hospital, hospital where it was doubtful that he would survive the gunshot wounds. And those first 48 hours... They were the most crucial, the most critical. And things looked so bad that the chief surgeon had even called in Stephen's family so that they could say goodbye to him. But miraculously, Stephen did survive. He made it through. But that bullet 
the one that had struck his spine. It had paralyzed him. He couldn't move his arms. He couldn't move his legs. He couldn't breathe without the assistance of a ventilator. And Stephen spent the next 18 months in hospitals and rehabilitation facilities learning how to live as a quadriplegic. Now, Stephen, he was also married, and when he was wounded, when he was shot, his wife, Patty Ann, was three months pregnant at that point. So six months after this, she gave birth to their son, Connor. And Stephen, he said, this is, these are his words, he said, Connor's birth was like a message from God that I should live and live differently. And it was clear to me that I had to respond to that message. I prayed that I would be changed, that the person I was would be replaced by something new. That prayer was answered with a desire to forgive the young man who shot me. I wanted to be free of all of the negative and destructive emotions that his act of violence had unleashed in me, anger, bitterness, hatred, and other feelings. I needed to free myself of those emotions so that I could love my wife and our child and those around us. So Stephen, he started writing letters to Shavad. And at first there was no response, but eventually Shavad did write back. And then one night, two years later, Shavad actually made a phone call from prison. He called and he apologized over the phone to Stephen, to Patty Ann, and to their son Connor for what had happened. And Stephen, he told Shavad he accepted his apology and hoped that their story could help other people in the future help people to find the road to forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, Stephen also shared it wasn't easy at first to come to that place where he could forgive Shavad. Stephen said, of course I didn't forgive Shavad right away. It took time. Things have evolved over many years. I think about it almost every day. But I can say this, I've never regretted forgiving him. That's a powerful testimony there on the power of forgiveness. Perhaps you've never been hurt in quite as serious of a manner as Stephen was, but we all have people who hurt us, and we all, in one way or another, we have hurt someone else. But when we're the ones hurt, we can often hold on to those wounds, those feelings, just like Stephen talked about, the anger, the bitterness, the hatred, and then we end up wanting justice rather than to offer forgiveness. Well, coming up this Sunday at Mass in the Gospel reading, we're going to hear where Jesus extends forgiveness and reconciliation to Peter. Jesus doesn't demand justice or retribution. He offers forgiveness and healing. He restores Peter. And each one of us, we're called to do the same thing. We need to forgive. We need to provide that healing for those who hurt us. And in that process, we'll find ourselves being healed as well, especially when we allow Christ to be a part of that healing, to be at the center of that healing. And that's what we want to discuss today here on The Inner Life. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour, Father Ramil Fajardo is back with us once again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Father Ramil is a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral. He is a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal 
Additionally, he serves as the Director of Liturgy and the Cardinal's Delegate for St. James Chapel and the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center, and he's the Rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father Emil, it's always good to have you here on the program. Uh, Every time I introduce you, all the different work that you're doing, I can't help but just kind of shake my head. Oh, he's so busy, and yet I'm so uh, thankful that you make time to join us here on The Inner Life. Well, thank you for the invitation, Josh. Uh, It's good to be back, and it's also a good opportunity to refocus and to really return back to a pastoral work. Uh, Not that anything else I do is not pastoral, but this is pretty important stuff, too, getting to the answers of some very basic questions. Well, so let's look at Peter, you know, kind of setting up what we're going to hear on Sunday. Peter has denied Jesus three times early in those morning hours before the crucifixion. And we see Peter then after the resurrection. And when he first hears of the empty tomb where Mary Magdalene and the other Mary come and say, you know, that the tomb is empty, that we've seen the Lord, Peter races to go see it with his own eyes. And then similarly, here where we kind of pick up at the Sea of Tiberias, we've got Peter, he goes fishing at night, he's fishing all through the night, and in the morning, there's somebody on the shore, he recognizes it's Jesus, he doesn't even want to wait for the boat to make it back to shore, he jumps into the water to get back there as quickly as possible to be there with Jesus. He wants to be around Jesus wherever he is, but then there's Peter's denial of Jesus that seems to still be hanging out there, you know, kind of that elephant in the room that maybe hasn't been addressed yet. Right. And, you know, presumably uh, Peter wants to be around Jesus, you know, to show him, to maybe prove, I love you, I am sorry, show how sorry he is for having denied him there. But maybe he just can't quite figure out how to start, you know, what to say, what the right words are to kind of approach that very difficult topic to say he's so sorry. So Jesus is the one who then starts this conversation and gives Peter three opportunities to reaffirm his love for him. Correct. The best thing you said right there, Jesus initiates. It's always always been that divine initiative that reaches out to us. So our Lord once again reaches out to Peter and essentially this is one of the most exegeted texts, among the most exegeted texts, because we're looking at our Lord's dialogue. And there are two words in particular regarding love that, that are always brought up, agape and philo. So in scripture studies, agape is the love that's the highest, the most spiritual sort of love, to love our Lord above all things and all people, including oneself. And philo is essentially a kind of, I love you, uh, you're my brother. It's, uh, it's certainly a more level sort of love. So our Lord is asking him, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me, agapas me, um, more than you would philo these others around you? You know, your brothers. Do you have that deep, profound love above all else for me? And Peter responds, you know, I love you because you're, you're my brother. You're, you're, you're the master, but he's, Peter is still pretty shy and limited. 
So the idea of our Lord asking, again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Our Lord is giving him a chance again. Do you agapas me? Do you love me above all things? A love that is of love of God and above yourself. And Peter, again, still being kind of limited, says, yes, Lord, you know, you know I love you. You know that I love you. And finally, finally, in the third dialogue, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And our Lord finally just says, all right, all right. Do you at least love me with a kind of brotherly love, a love of a brother? And Peter finally says in the classic line, Lord, you know all things, you know everything, you know that I love you. Dominate to omnia nosti, tu quia amote. Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And our Lord, again, divine initiative, went to Peter's level. He asked him twice, do you love me above everything, everyone, anything? Do you love me? And Peter still couldn't rise up, and finally our Lord says, all right, do you love me at your level? And he says, Lord, you know everything. At least this much I know, I love you. And it's very powerful. It's a very powerful thing because, again, like you said, divine initiative. The Lord went to Peter and went to his level and then promises to pull him out to show a much greater love. It doesn't leave him at philo. He, he will say, I will demonstrate to you agape in the same way that I know agape. And he will pull him out. He doesn't just leave him there. He pulls him out. Mm. Well, and with those questions as well, it's, I, I guess I'm thinking, he knows Peter is capable of more, you know, okay, you're not there yet, but you're going to be able to get to that point where instead of just, oh, I love you like a brother, you're going to love me to a point you'll be willing to sacrifice a lot, in fact, your entire life for me. So I know you're capable of it, even if you're not there yet. And that's why our Lord entrusts the feeding of the lambs, the tending of the sheep, and the feeding of the sheep, the threefold type of office. You know, I'm going to give you the very basic job of feeding my lambs. These are the these are the new these are the new lambs. Feed them. I've taught you this. Tend them. Keep a watch over them, and then feed them. And if necessary, it will be with your life. There is our Lord's invitation. I'm going to show you this. Do you think that's also to, to, I guess, reaffirm that he still entrusts Peter as that chief steward here on earth? You know, so many times if uh, somebody had done something where they'd sinned against their father or their master or whoever was in that leadership role, you know, we see that even with um, the, the birthright that, it, that happens with Reuben, one of the sons mm-hmm. of Jacob who becomes Israel, he ends up doing something where he forfeits his birthright. It's then passed on to a different one of the sons of mm-hmm. Jacob. Is this also a way of Jesus saying, don't worry, you haven't forfeited anything. You're still the one that I am going to look to. I'm going to count on you to shepherd my church, and you still are the one that will receive the keys of the kingdom. It's very evident when, he, when our Lord says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And even at his level, Peter was able to say, yes, you know that I love you. And our Lord is increasingly 
inquiring and having Peter make an act of faith. Again, in reparation for the threefold denial of our Lord in, in the courtyard and is reminding Peter, you do love me? Okay, I give you another aspect. He's forming Peter in a way, you say so, I will demonstrate it by entrusting to you even more. It, it's one of those amazing facts that says, our Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. And Peter says all these things, yes, I love you, I love you, but he's kind of meaning it according to the, uh, according to the Scripture writers. He's meaning it one way, but not quite ready to go to the level, and I think that's a hesitation that our Lord was trying to draw out of him because he knows it's in there. Do you think that also then, should that be something? I guess it's, if you, if you come to an understanding knowledge of Christ where you didn't grow up with that, you, you, you know, you weren't raised in a Christian home, you come into the church and you can say, well, my past no longer has any hold on me. I am a new creation, a new creature in Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives within me. But for those of us who have been Christians for the majority of our life, who have been in the church, when we fail, especially if we fail in a significant way, we might think, oh, I am no longer able to do the thing that I might have been able to do in the past because I have, I have sullied myself. I have been the one to make myself unworthy. But Jesus can still take us even if we've done something horrible and say, no, it's okay, I will redeem you, and I will lead you so that you can do even more in my name. And our Lord has made that promise from the very beginning. I'm with you always. We have to take that. Um, I was actually speaking with someone the other day, and I was looking for an example about how we as Christians, who are perhaps a little too um, comfortable already with our Lord's promises, how does one revivify their spiritual life? And I thought, hey, you know what? I got an idea. Next time you're in Chicago, look at Buckingham Fountain, especially in the spring and summertime. They have tours led around Buckingham Fountain with these segways. And you know what they are. They're like the two wheels with the magnet and the engine. And you got to step on it, which is so counterintuitive. Two wheels, how is this possible? But in order to go forward, all you got to do is lean forward just a tiny bit to activate the magnets and the motor. And then just a little bit moves you forward. That's what we Christians need to remember. A little bit of faith, and our Lord does the work. Just like the story of the prodigal son and the father. He sees the son, he runs down that hill to, cut, to catch up with him. It didn't take much. So it is with our faith. We can't stand still. We cannot stand still. We've got to keep moving. That's a great, yeah. I, I love that, that imagery of... <laughs> Just that little bit of a lean, and mm -hmm. God will take it from there. We're talking with Father Ramil Fajardo here on The Inner Life today, and want to open up the phone lines for your call at 888-914-9149. Looking ahead to the Gospel reading that we'll hear coming up this Sunday at Mass, where Peter is reconciled to Jesus after the crucifixion, after his denial of Christ. And how can we take the lessons, take what we see there, about reconciliation and forgiveness and bring those into our own life. And maybe you're struggling with that. Have you, have you been struggling trying to forgive someone? 
someone who hurt you, maybe in a significant way. Or maybe you have been able to reach that point where you were able to offer that forgiveness. And how did that help you to not only heal that relationship, but to heal yourself, your own difficult, uh, the, the wounds that you have in your life? How did it allow you to grow closer to Christ and see him working in those moments? 888-914-9149 is the number you can call in and join the program. 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois Life Insurance Society, not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director for the hour is Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago and resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral, also the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, talking today about the reading, the gospel reading, that we're going to hear at Mass coming up this Sunday, where Jesus allows, offers that opportunity for Peter to be reconciled after his denial. Peter denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus allows Peter three times to say, yes, I love you, Lord. Um, and also inviting your phone calls as we talk about forgiveness, talk about that reconciliation. And coming up later, we're also, of course, uh, naturally, we're going to be talking about the sacrament of reconciliation, but how we can, in our own relationships with others, how we can learn from Christ himself here, how Christ gives us that example that we should carry into the world when somebody wrongs us, that we can offer that forgiveness, offer that reconciliation. And our studio line that you can call and join the program, 888-914-9149, Father, a couple of other, other things out of this passage, maybe before we go to uh, some phone calls that are coming in. One is... The third time that Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says Peter was distressed. Any insight on what reason, you know, Jesus is offering this reconciliation. He's bringing Peter back to himself. Why is Peter distressed, do you think, that third time? There are several interpretations. Um, Perhaps one of them would be that Peter wasn't quite ready to accept the word agape, you know, agapas. I, I, I'm not there quite yet, but you know, you're asking kind of a lot. I'm not in a proper space yet, Lord. And it's also one of those ways that Peter may have been, can't you read between the lines, I'm extremely uncomfortable here, but you know that I love you. Please stop asking. It's kind of asking a lot, Lord. <laughs> and, um, you know, there, there are a thousand different ways to say no by saying yes. And I think I understand it that Peter was just simply not ready to commit to that level, but he loved enough. And even when you love someone, there are some lines you still can't cross. And that's why, that's why our Lord went to his level, to filio. All right, 
fine. You at least love me as, as you would a brother. You know, I'm your family. Do you love me? You know that I love you. You know all things. So our Lord went down to him, to that level of discomfort, in order to strengthen him, to pull him out. And we see in the history of the church what happened when our Lord reached out, Peter reached out for his hand and pulled him up and made him the rock. Because then in church history, we're going to see he paid, he paid the price. He paid a very high price of love in imitation of our Lord. A very, very glorious love, but one that in our eyes would be kind of scary. The last word that we have in this reading that we'll hear at Sunday Mass are two words that Jesus says to Peter. After all of the other conversation, everything else, he just simply says, follow me. Mm -hmm. And this kind of takes us back to Peter's very first encounter with Jesus. You know, after mm -hmm. they bring in the fish, after Jesus, or, uh, Peter says, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. All of this that happens in that first encounter, and Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Is this again kind of going back to Jesus saying, it's going to be okay, everything's okay, let's just pick back up. Don't, don't worry about the denial. We can move past that. Let's just kind of get back on track and follow me. Possibly. It's, it's a very powerful invitation, because look at what was just said before that. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter and our Lord had a meeting of the minds, for sure at that level of love of filio, and Peter acceded to that. He couldn't say that higher love, but our Lord said to him, follow me, I'm calling you, and here was the invitation, let's start again. But I have chosen you among all these others, from the very beginning I have chosen you. And now you know the mission that I am entrusting to you, Peter. Petros, you know, you are the rock. You will be the rock upon which I build my church. You now know what I have in mind for you. Follow me. And so this is our Lord then say, okay, you made an act of faith. I want you to make the act of faith by coming. Reach for my hand. Let's go. Mm. Again, our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, here on The Inner Life today and talking about forgiveness, reconciliation, and also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. When have you been able to forgive someone for that hurtful moment, that occurrence, that action that they did, or maybe some words that they said that really went straight to your heart, and it's been difficult, but you finally got to a point where you were able to forgive them? What allowed you to get to that point? How did your relationship with Christ help so that you could, maybe if you weren't able on your own to f offer that forgiveness, God allowed you and led you to a point where you could? Or maybe you're struggling with that right now. Somebody has hurt you and you're not sure how you're going to be able to forgive them and you'd like some advice, some insight on that situation in your life, you can call in at 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Christy who's calling in from Minneapolis. Hi, Christy. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you. Um, so my question or issue would be that a few years ago, um, I it was my wedding weekend and my maid of honor, um, I had asked her to do something for me that I 
you know, I thought it was a, not a big ask. Um, and being that she's someone I considered my best friend, I thought she would do it for me. Um, and then she said, actually, you know, I, I can't do this thing. Um, and here's why. Um, I was like, okay, well, I can understand that. But then I found out later on the real reason was that um, she um, had wanted to spend that time with her boyfriend instead um, and not with me on my wedding night or night before my wedding. And I just, I don't know, it really took took me aback that she would not be considering her role in the situation and I don't know it just seems very selfish what she did and um, I don't know if she really realizes how much it impacted me and my view of our friendship and I've tried to let it go so many times but every time the issue comes back into my mind whether you know my husband and I talk about it or I think about it like I just there's this feeling of like I don't know if I, I don't want to call it resentment, but that might just be what it is um, that I can't shake. And I feel like I've forgiven her, but I still can't get rid of this feeling. And I just don't know what to do. Well, Christy, that's a tough one um, because it's so personal. And I think in particular it's personal because it was a direct ask. One thing that I've always tried to remind others is that the only person who is a guarantee is our Lord. Our family, our friends will at some point or another disappoint us. And our Lord experienced that in the readings. As we heard in in Lent, all through the gospel, he had his apostles and disciples run away, abandoning him, you know, turning against them. And so if you were to look at it from the perspective of people are weak, now, should your maid of honor had been straightforward, she was probably embarrassed to say, I'd rather do this, although I know I made a promise to you. And my question to you as well, Christy, is after all this time, have you been able to say to her, in, in peace, I was really kind of deeply disturbed by that. Is this something that you've ever said to her just to kind of get it off your chest? I think a lot of resentment can get poisonous within our hearts if we don't expose it to the light of truth. So approaching her to say, you know, after all this time, I'm just going to at least say it. Let's, let, just so it helps me, that really, really hurt me. And I just, I forgave you a while back, but I just need to get it off my chest because I've got to start living again and I want nothing to come between us. And this has been at this point in time. Yeah. It's it's been an issue because I mean we I mean she was like a strong Catholic when we met mm-hmm. and over right. the years she's kind of drifted and changed her worldviews and it's really hard to see eye to eye on certain things these days and I I don't know like I don't know how I would bring it up without her thinking I'm judging her whole life <laughs> mm-hmm. you know well. Yeah, another thing to think about as well is remember the reading for the Sunday, our Lord asked Peter for agape. You know, do you love me above all things? And then finally, our Lord went down to Filio, do you at least love me as a brother? 
And Peter said, that's where I've always been. You know, he couldn't go beyond that. But keep in mind, as your best friend, as she is someone you really cared about, you're still entrusted with kind of that apostolic outlook. You're still called to be an apostle to demonstrate Christ's love that, le- that resides in you. So as a believer, you're still called to do apostolate, whether with her or anyone else, especially your husband, right? <laughs> you, know? you guys are the way to teach others heaven to, to our Lord. But with your friend, it's also another way to show this is what transformed my life. This is transformative power in Jesus Christ's salvation. So rather than, and this is tough, I'm going to tell you right now, rather than looking at how hurt you are, looking at how blessed you are that you've been transformed because of our Lord. And that's a joy you should be able to share with anyone, let alone your friend. So take your eyes off of her and look at our Lord and just say, look at how blessed I am. Well, the other thing that I'm thinking here, too, is just from the... You asked the question, Father, of Christy, have you addressed this with your friend? And Christy said, not sure exactly how to do that. Mm-hmm. If you hold on to something like that, I mean, I, I think everybody has at some point in their life held on to something and think, oh, this person, they did something and the, it really bothered me and it eats away at you. And mm-hmm. you might say, I want to, I, I intellectually know that I should and I, I want to offer this person forgiveness for what they've done. But in your heart, you just kind of keep on holding on to that, and it will eat you up while that other person has no clue clue, that you're still dwelling upon this, that it's something that is even on, (laughs) it's not going to be on their radar at all. And so until you have that honest conversation, but again, uh, should be approached with a lot of time spent beforehand in prayer and asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance so that you hopefully don't get emotional, that you can, you can be that reflection of Christ's love. Um, but also, it holds you back from fully receiving the forgiveness of Christ if you're not willing to forgive that other person. And it needs to be dealt with in a real fashion, uh, you know, that, that you don't just keep on putting it off and kicking it down the road. Right. And also another thing to keep in mind is that prayer... Uh, taking it to prayer, Josh, you said it wonderfully, taking it to prayer first opens you up to our Lord's direct intervention in your heart and mind so that you know exactly how to say it and the moment to say it. It may take a, t- it may take a while. It seems like it's been a while now. But if it takes a little longer, that's okay, provided you entrust it to our Lord and Our Lady, your patron, uh, your patron saint, your guardian angel. Get others involved in the conversation and just say, I really need this resolved. So take it to prayer and be honest about it. Say, I am still hurting about this. It's okay to hurt. It's not okay to just not address it. If, you, if there's anything you can do, at least begin with Our Lord. 
Christy, thanks so much for calling in here to The Inner Life today. And again, our phone number is, we're talking with Father Ramil Fajardo today, 888-914-9149, talking about forgiveness, about reconciliation in our relationships with others. Also, of course, we're going to uh, talk in a little bit here this hour, talk about how we can be reconciled to Christ himself and the powerful sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, but again, taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Father, Allie is listening to us down in Los Angeles. Hi, Allie. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi, good morning. <clears throat> Thank you for um, taking my call. I I don't know how much time I have. There's just so much on this subject, but the one thing I would like to say is that um, forgiveness, even in the worst situations is so possible about four years ago I found out that my husband had had an affair Um, and as you can imagine that was really one of the most painful things to have to go through Um, but I you know a couple things one forgiveness isn't a light switch that's one thing I learned it's a process Um, and I find myself four years later really not carrying any um, bad feelings about it at all, um, about him or even about the other person. And it, that did take some time. Um, I There was a show I was listening to, I think it was on Relevant Radio, sometime in, that, in there where um, a priest came on and said, fake it till you make it. And um, I would, one of the things I would do is force myself to pray for my husband and the other person and myself, even if I didn't feel it. And over time, I felt like that really helped me to surrender my my hard feelings, my anger, um, and just let God come through to be able to give that forgiveness. And then one more thing, as you were just talking about how that that anger can fester inside of you, uh, in many of the classes that we had taken to, to recover together, I had learned that unforgiveness is like drinking poison to try to poison the other person. So that was another thing I wanted to share. Thank you, Ellie. That's excellent advice. It reminds me a lot of that poem that, you know, we see this in religious stories, you know, the, the, the footprints, uh, the story of the footprints, our Lord, you know, I only see one set of footprints. That's what, that's what when I carried you. Um, that's, that's a very powerful image. But what I also like is that for some of us, it doesn't have to be carried. We don't have to be carried by our Lord, but actually, He can just support us. He can grab us by the arm and hold us up a little bit. Because ultimately, the choice to forgive is going to be made by efforts. Admittedly, many, many small efforts. But the point is, we've got to do the effort. Forgiveness from the heart is not going to come externally. It's got to come from our hearts with our Lord's help. So the idea of, as you were saying, faking until you make it, yes, that's very true, but I think what Father was basically saying is in trust. Stay true to yourself. Trust that God will carry you. Trust that God will hold you up. Trust that your guardian angel is going to be walking with you. And actually trust also in good friends who are detached from the scene and can at least listen to you and help you along the path, because it does require many, many small efforts. But nevertheless, we, you and I, have got to make those efforts. Otherwise, it will fester. We can't move. We'll be paralyzed. We've got to make that effort. I I really like what you're saying there, too, Father, about having a friend or some friends that are detached from the situation, because 
they can be more objective. You know, when your feelings are hurt, when you're dealing with that, those wounds from whatever has been done to you, then at that point, it's hard to be able to take that step back and look and say, am I really being objective on this situation? But if you have somebody who's outside of that situation, that helps so much. And, you know, as Ali was talking about praying for her husband and for this other person that was part of that infidelity, that also, you know, it. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe somebody can do it. I have never found it possible to hate someone and be able to pray for them. You know, if I'm praying for them, it means I've got to, in some capacity, love them and want the best for them. Even if I'm not happy with what they've done, I can't outright hate them and still be able to bring them in my prayers to Christ. statement on her part, because to pray for this other person, you've got to visualize their face. And if you're angry, you can't even think of that person, let alone pray for them. So being able to pray for all the parties involved is very heroic. That is a certain amount of detachment, entrusting that to our Lord. And that's very heroic. That's, as you were saying, Josh, that's very hard for many of us, I think. It's, it's a, it's a yeah. real struggle. So it's very heroic. Absolutely. Again, talking with Father Ramil Fajardo here today. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, and we're talking about forgiveness. We're looking ahead to this Sunday's Gospel reading where Jesus forgives and reconciles Peter to himself after Peter had denied him there in those early morning hours before the crucifixion. And how have you been able to forgive somebody else that hurt you? Or maybe you're struggling with that. You're not sure what to do how you can bring yourself to that point of forgiveness and trust that God will help you get there. Maybe you'd like some advice, some encouragement. You can call and talk with Father Ramil at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and we'll continue taking your phone calls and continue our conversation here with Father Ramil in just a moment. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Angesser for their help today in producing the program. Thank you for being a part of the program and listening. And uh, we've got a lot of calls on the line here, and we want to get to as many as we can. I've uh, got a couple of open phone lines, 888-914-9149 is the phone number here in the studio. As today we're talking with Father Ramil Fajardo about being reconciled in our relationships with each other, as well as being reconciled to Christ for the wrongs that we do in our own lives. And Father, maybe we can spend just a couple minutes here talking about when we uh, approach the sacrament of reconciliation, when we go to confession. Maybe can you just walk us through maybe uh, some best practices, good things that we can bring there to have the most fruitful time in that sacrament? Exactly. Thank you very much for bringing this up. I think 
almost every priest I've talked to, ever talked to, has pointed out confession has been a wonderful gift for them personally to be acting in persona Christi Capitis, to be able to give our Lord that channel of forgiveness and grace. So number one, all the priests that I know of love to celebrate the sacrament. Number two, all the priests that I know of are always, always desirous to heal. So a piece of advice when we go to confession is examine your conscience before you get there, even in line. Ask yourself some basic questions. How have I failed God and my neighbor and myself? Examining your conscience beforehand is a wonderful way to be recollected to receive God's grace. So it is a, it's important to examine your conscience and to know. Because why? We can't really say I'm sorry if we don't know what we did. And I'll have to admit it, you know, kneeling, kneeling at the confessional, in the confessional and trying to think of what to say, I'm like, do you think about this? <laughs> we, we all do something wrong. So examining your conscience is not only just a wonderful thing before confession, but also the last thing at night. You know, how have I done wrong against God, neighbor, and myself? And I've got to do better. It's actually a very joyful example of accountability to myself. So examine your conscience ahead of time and be clear. One of the things that I was always told about going to confession was if it's completely embarrassing and it's so hard to say, make it the very first thing. Make it the very first thing. Say it right Just up the Get top. it out of the way. <laughs> get it out of the way. And I always say as a corollary to that, folks, there isn't a single thing we priests haven't heard of that would shock us. <laughs> you know, there is nothing so surprising at this point in, in hearing confession. So go for it. Go for it. And, you know, straight to the point. We need to be able to get to the root of the problem rather than dancing around issues. Get to the root of the problem. You know, there are certain sins that are very common, and, and it's very unique to each individual. So I, I, you know, I venerate that. I respect that. Each person feels that this is oftentimes their, own, their biggest sin. Right. But we're in this together. We're in it together. And if we can all just allow our Lord to get to the problem, what a wonderful sacrament. We would practice it more often if we knew just how wonderful it is that I myself, I, the penitent, participated in that healing. So that's, that, that would kind of be my, uh, my piece of advice, is that everybody examine themselves ahead of time. Prepare to receive the great gift of forgiveness. You don't know the good news unless you really understand how bad things are. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. news has to come, you know... Right, yeah, yeah, it, it brightens up the bad news, that's exactly right. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Sister Elizabeth, who's calling in from Los Angeles. Hi, Sister, welcome to The Inner Life today. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Um, okay, well, what I wanted to share is I had some things happen to me as a child, and my reaction to those things was low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. After I made my confirmation in the faith, I stopped going to church. And I spent many years away from my Catholic faith. And I was not living a good life. And it's not that I did not believe in God or love him, but it's that I didn't believe I, that I deserved his love. Mm. So once I realized that my sins were not greater than our Lord's love and mercy and that he loved me, I was able to change 
And it was from that acceptance that I was able to forgive those who hurt me. Mm. I have forgiven, but that does not mean that I have forgotten. So mm-hmm. when memories come because of my belief in redemptive suffering, I'm able to offer everything back to Jesus, which becomes a powerful source of grace for those who struggle to forgive and even for those who hurt others that they may repent, that they may see what they've done and change. Because I'm an example, like you talked about St. Peter. (laughs) You know, it's his initiative. I never thought I would be in the convent. I still look after 21 years across and I say, I'm probably in the convent. (laughs) How merciful is our God, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share that today, how great... Jesus' love and mercy is, and nothing can change that. Nothing. And I hope everyone can be convinced of that. And that's our strength, no matter what we're feeling, is that our God will never not love us, no matter what. Right. And He's right. always there. Amen, sister. That's exactly that's exactly the point. We have got to keep our focus on the Lord, not on our weaknesses, because our Lord is our strength. And that's a powerful witness right there. We've got to be able to rest in the Lord. You know, and Josh, I think you were saying it earlier. If we keep our eyes on the Lord, what a wonderful way of growth and, and maturity and, and really uh, the road to glory and salvation is through the Lord. Always our eyes on the Lord. Uh, Father, we've only got a couple of minutes left here. Let's say that we're the one who is on the side of um, we've apologized and someone doesn't want to offer us forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Any advice on how we might be able to repair the relationship from that side? That's a very, very tough question, but a good one. I've oftentimes preached, when I preach about the, rec- uh, the sacrament of reconciliation, to be able to say not only, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you, please forgive me. That's the final step. That's the final step. Please forgive me. And I think even in my own life experience, there are people who I've met over the years who have not been able to say, in fact, I will forgive you. No, I'm going to hold this against you for the rest of my life. You hurt me so badly. I cannot, will not, will never forgive you. And in one sense, that's hard to hear. But on the other hand, for those of us who believe, that in and of itself is our moment of freedom also. Why? Because we can say, I have done that. I have allowed myself to be vulnerable, just like our Lord on the cross. In full nakedness, I ask for forgiveness, and you and, and whoever returned it back to us and said, I, I cannot accept this and will not accept it. There's a humiliation in all that, but it is a sharing in the cross of our Lord, in his nakedness, sure. in his pain. Sure. And yeah. we build on and that And kind of goes prayer. back to, yeah, it goes back to what Sister Elizabeth was saying. That can be a source then of redemptive suffering we can offer back. Father, we've got about uh, 15 seconds here for a final blessing for our listeners. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. In, uh, through the intercession of St. Catherine of Siena, help us always to strive for unity and for love with under our Holy Father. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much, Father Ramil Fajardo, our priest, our spiritual director on The Inner Life today. Hope to talk with you again soon, Father Ramil. And I hope you were able to get so much out of this hour. I know there were so many of you who called in and we didn't have a chance to get you on the air. I apologize for that. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained here on Relevant Radio.